Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. And welcome to Tony Cast Today. I'm Guy Relford in for Tony. Tony's in New York. He is up for uh, Large Market Personality of the Year uh, for our Marconi Award, which are the radio awards given out there in New York. Uh, WIBC, I'm proud to say, is up for our Marconi as Large Market Station of the Year. So our program director, David Wood, is there, hopefully, to accept that award. So we've just been nominated at this point. Tony also nominated. We hope they uh, bring home those trophies if so i am told there's going to be a celebration here downtown on friday that's what tony's talking about so more more news on that to follow in the meantime i saw a story that made me chuckle and uh this probably means i'm, I'm not a particularly nice person but i was chuckling because cnn actually reported that members of vice president kamala harris's staff have been complaining that Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, former Indiana mayor, uh, is getting substantially more invitations to campaign for Democrat candidates in midterm elections than the vice president is. And, and uh, reportedly, the vice president is not happy about that. She feels uh, a bit besmirched, is the word that comes to mind. Uh, she feels a bit insulted because uh, she's been largely turned away when Democrat midterm candidates are campaigning in both the Senate and uh, in, in the House. And, and I had to chuckle at this because we've already heard the same thing about President Biden, that a lot of the Democrats in, in close races, in swing states, have, have not asked for and, in fact, have discouraged any participation from President Biden at all. They know Biden's low approval ratings, low approval ratings, I should say, are a detriment to them. And, and, and I've talked previously about how when the incumbent president has ratings below 50%, what that tends to mean to the midterm elections. Since 1962, for instance, the party of that president with such approval ratings has lost on average 39 seats in the House. If you're aware of those numbers, those statistics, that historical precedent, why on earth would you want to associate yourself with that president or, for that matter, with his vice president, who's obviously going to be very closely tied to the president? But it also makes me chuckle a little bit because I can sort of envision the vice president's personal reaction to this. And I find that somewhat humorous in the sense that I'm sure it ticks her off rather dramatically. And, and the fact that it's Pete Buttigieg, her former, uh, her former opponent in the Democrat primary elections leading up to the last election. And, uh, and she didn't fare particularly well in that. I don't think she ever got above about 1%. And in fact, I'm not sure. And I'm sure someone will, will, will send me a message on social media on this point. I'm not sure she ever made it to the first primary election. Before she bailed out, Pete Buttigieg had some pretty impressive showings in some states. And so this is all consistent, I think, with how people see them as candidates. Now, I am not a, fa a fan of Pete Buttigieg. I mean, his military service I respect, his Indiana ties I certainly appreciate. 
but I'm not a fan. I, I think he has been woefully ineffective as transportation secretary. When, you ha- when you're having the supply chain issues we have, what is supply chain? That's transportation, purely and simply. When you have ships piled up in harbors and you can't get them unloaded, what is that? That's transportation. When you have empty shelves in stores or you have builders or roofers who can't get supplies to do the jobs they've been hired to do or the cost of those supplies goes through the roof, where you, where you have supply companies in terms of, of, of communication with those in the construction industry or the reconstruction industry saying, I can't give you a price on the materials you need. I will tell you what your price is when they arrive. When you're ordering supplies and you don't know what the price is going to be when they come in, how do you give a price to your customer? How do you quote a job? And that's all transportation. Are there contributing factors? Sure. Did he cause all of that? Of course not. But it's his job to fix it. And he appeared to me to be largely AWOL, completely absent. Yes, I respect anyone who wants to take paternity leave. Absolutely, 100%. That's why you have a staff. The job just shouldn't cease being done because you're not doing the job. As respectable, as commendable, as whatever reason you might have for not doing your job at the time. So at any rate, I'm not a fan of Pete Buttigieg, but I had to chuckle that CNN, of all all, uh, media members, uh, is reporting that Kamala is miffed <laughs> not being invited to participate on behalf of more midterm candidates. And a story that 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 I found fascinating, and and I got to believe there's going to be a made-for-TV movie out of this one. And as someone who 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 has trained a lot uh, as a as a gun owner and as a firearms instructor, and I and I teach the law of, of self-defense, a story that. I found very interesting, and, and I don't know that self-defense necessarily enters into this, but it was reported last week that four Oklahoma men, who are all reportedly very good friends, where two of them are brothers, Mark and Billy Chastain, and then two other guys who are close friends also, Mark Sparks, Mike Sparks, I should say, and Alex Stevens, that all these guys went missing, and initially it was reported that they just went for a bike ride one evening. They all left their homes on bikes. And then they disappeared. And there wasn't much news except for here earlier this week, it was reported that right there in the area, multiple parts of human remains were found in a river, also close to the area where the four men disappeared. Then some witnesses started coming forward and said, well, the guys were leaving their respective homes. Yes, they were on bikes, but they were not going out for a casual evening fall bicycle ride. They were actually on their way to engage in some form of criminal activity, what one witness described as they were going to hit a major lick. If you're not familiar with that terminology, a lick typically is a burglary or a robbery. What's the difference? A robbery is where you put a weapon in somebody's face uh, or threaten them physically and demand their possessions. So someone walks into a bank, sticks a gun in the teller's face, and says, give me the cash, that's a robbery. A burglary is where someone just breaks in somewhere and steals stuff. They're not threatening you. There's no weapon involved. There's no threat of injury. They just steal your stuff. 
So hitting a lick could be a burglary, could be a robbery, as that term is used by bad guys. So these four were going to hit a major lick, whatever the heck that means in this context. Then they disappeared. Then body parts appear in a river. Then those body parts are, in fact, identified as being parts of these four guys. Just yesterday, the local sheriff announced, yes, they've recovered everything they think they're going to recover from the river. Then they started searching cell phone records because two of these guys took their phones with them on whatever they were going to do. They found that a couple of the phones had pinged. They traced our location to a particular salvage yard. Now, what can you steal out of a salvage yard? Well, a big thing right now is catalytic converters, although I would think most salvage yards themselves, as soon as a car comes in that's got a catalytic converter, they're probably going to cut it off themselves if they legally own that because they're worth some money. And they're damned expensive to replace as well. If anybody anybody out there has been the victim of a crime or someone's stolen your catalytic converter, which bad guys have a rather constant pattern of doing, you know it costs a heck of a lot of money to get a new one. But who knows what the particular crime they were going to commit was, but eventually they ended up at a salvage yard. The sheriff then is reporting that the scene of the salvage yard, and he gave very few details, but he said the scene of the salvage yard appears to have been the location of a very violent crime. So you can imagine what forensic evidence they may have discovered at the salvage yard that that was an indication of a quote-unquote very violent event. But then the bad guys show up chopped up in pieces in the river, and now the salvage yard owner, a guy named Joe Kennedy, is being described as a quote-unquote person of interest. And, and how do police or prosecutors use that term? That just means it's somebody they're looking at, but it's a way of distinguishing someone who's an actual suspect or someone who's been charged with a crime. A lot of times they do that for liability purposes. They will say, yes, we are investigating and we have found a person of interest or identified a person of interest and they don't go to the next step and identify them as a suspect. However, that person of interest, a guy named Joe Kennedy, the owner of the salvage yard, who, if we're speculating now, and of course we are, if he was going to be the victim of the crime, the lick, quote-unquote, that these guys were going to hit, quote-unquote, if he was going to be the victim, it can pretty easily be surmised that he may have uh, decided he did not care to be the victim of whatever crime that was. And, while we won't accuse him of anything, and we won't even speculate in this regard, him declining to be a victim either directly or indirectly, led to four guys chopped up in pieces (laughs) winding up in the river. Now, I'm not chuckling because four people lost their lives. Uh, If you listen to my show, I don't ever celebrate the loss of life. However, when bad guys get confronted by victims, it tends to discourage other bad guys. However, does that mean that Mr. Kennedy, let's say just hypothetically, certainly not making this accusation, because the police have not even identified him as a suspect or someone charged with a crime, so we won't do that either, of course. But hypothetically speaking, if you're the owner of, say, a salvage yard or any other business, and this, this, this translates directly into an issue that we've tried to correct or at least address here in Indiana. If someone comes to steal your stuff, now here's where a burglary and a robbery are very different. If someone comes in armed and threatens you, threatens your business, in order to steal your stuff. That's a robbery, as I mentioned. That is what we call a forcible felony. Indiana law says very clearly that you can use deadly force to prevent the commission of a forcible felony. Armed robbery is clearly a forcible felony. 
A burglary is very different. If someone, or theft, mere theft, if someone's just simply in my salvage yard looking for stuff to steal, they're not robbing me, they're not threatening me with force, can I shoot him? The answer to that generally is no. In Indiana, get this, I cannot even point my gun at him and say you're not stealing my stuff. I clearly cannot shoot him. In Indiana, merely pointing a gun to protect my property, not my home, that's different, that's the castle doctrine, but my stuff, the stuff in my salvage yard, the stuff in my jewelry store, the stuff in my gas station, I cannot point my gun at, so I certainly cannot shoot them. In Indiana, I cannot even point my gun at that person and say, no, you're not stealing my stuff. I, am, I would then be guilty of the crime of pointing a firearm. And if that gun's loaded, that's a felony. Important. Now, again, this all took place in Oklahoma. But since large parts of our listening audience are here in Indiana, I wanted to relate this to how Indiana law works. So this is going to be something to watch. Interestingly enough, even though he's not reported to be a suspect, Joe Kennedy disappeared yesterday or the day before, disappeared on Monday. And yesterday was found not in Oklahoma, but in Daytona Beach, driving a car that was reportedly stolen back in Oklahoma. So one method of, 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 of accusing someone or establishing guilt on someone's part is fleeing. It's not dispositive, and more proof would have to be uncovered, although the scene at his salvage yard may fall into that category as well. So this bears watching. Again, the names are Billy and Mark Chastain. These are the guys found chopped up in the river. Uh, and then you've got uh, two other gentlemen as well. Um, who were reported missing, Sparks and Stevens. So bear some watching. I'm sure more news to follow. I'll, I'll be following this and reported, reporting at a minimum on my show on Saturdays. Right now it's time to take a break. It's Guy Relford in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz Today. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz Today. I was just talking about uh, four gentlemen who went missing in Oklahoma. Well, there's another missing person story that really piques my interest as well. And that is, as reported by Rolling Stone, and i got to tell you, Rolling Stone at one point, uh, even with a historical focus on the music industry, really uh, historically, had some very solid reporting and, and has broken some, some interesting and, and significant stories historically. Clearly, politics have taken over to a large degree, but they have a very interesting story out now, which is that uh, Emmy award-winning ABC producer named James Gordon Meek has essentially, at a minimum, completely withdrawn from, from public and professional life. And by all reports, in terms of his, his apartment in New York apparently being empty, no one having seen him for several days, appears to be missing. Whether that's by design, whether that's intentional on his part, or something else, no one knows at this point. But he appears to be completely uh, missing, and this is immediately after FBI raided his residence with a warrant that gave them permission to, among other things, search his laptop computer. It was a warrant issued by a federal magistrate judge, reminiscent, really, of the warrant issued that allowed the FBI to raid President Trump's home in Miralago, in Florida. Well, a, a judge in New York... A magistrate judge issued a warrant to, that allowed the FBI to search this gentleman's apartment. And 
In doing so, they allegedly found, reportedly found, classified information on Meek's laptop. Now, no one's revealing what that classified information was. Immediately after having found, the FBI having found classified information on his laptop, gentleman goes missing. It's interesting because I mentioned he was uh, an award-winning producer at ABC News. He, his focus has historically been on military issues. And uh, he, he won a lot of acclaim. He got a, he got a lot of, uh, I think, well-deserved uh, positive commentary where he revealed the Army's cover-up of a of, of friendly fire death uh, of a soldier in, in Iraq. And even President Obama publicly commented on that story and how important it was that those issues be revealed and that the Army be held, be held to some accountability and, 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 and held to high standards in terms of honestly addressing those things. Um, he was apparently in the middle of writing a book. In fact, it's described by Rolling Stone as an upcoming book on the U.S. military's chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan. So you're, you're, you're into doing military exposés. I think it's fair to characterize a lot of his work in, in, in that category. You're writing a book on how the U.S. really botched the military exit from Afghanistan, not in terms of the military, in terms of the policy and the orders from the White House and, and DOD brass that put our soldiers and, and a lot of friendly civilians in harm's way. So you're writing a book on that. The FBI raids your apartment. They find, quote-unquote, classified information, which can be whatever the FBI wants to call classified information at the time. I think we're learning that in the context of President Trump as well. And immediately thereafter, you go completely missing. Who knows where this guy is? Who knows the circumstances? And it may be completely intentional on his part. Who knows? Maybe that's a good reason to disappear when the FBI has just raided your apartment don't know interesting development, but something uh, to keep an eye on. And very quickly, <laughs> this caught my eye, Rolls-Royce Rolls Royce, has announced that new in 2023, they are introducing the first ever all-electronic, all-electric Rolls-Royce vehicle. Yes, Rolls-Royce is coming out with an EV. It's called the Spectre. It's going to cost $400,000, reportedly is a two-door with four seats and an estimated range of 260 miles. You don't think of Rolls-Royce owners as necessarily being into the EVs, but there you go. This is Guy Relford in for Tony Katz on Tony Cast Today. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford in for Tony Katz on Tony Cast Today. I uh, had the privilege and uh, enjoyed going to the uh, Colts game here this past weekend. In fact, uh, I was able to go uh, and uh, enjoy what turned out to be a, a, a great game. I go way back with the Colts. I, I had season tickets uh, in the very first season here in 1984. And I've told the story before. I won't go through the whole thing again about there was originally a lottery. You had to cut a form out of the Indy Star and and mail it in with your check with an indication of how many tickets you want and 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 either upper or level upper or lower level seats and all the seats on the lower level were 50 bucks didn't matter whether you were square on a 50 yard line or in a corner of an end zone all the seats in the upper level were going to be 25 bucks they were supposedly randomly assigned 
good buddy of mine who I went to law school with, and I went in together and got four seats. We, we had great seats. We were row 13 on the 40-yard line, lower level, just through sheer blind, stupid luck in that original lottery. And I had season tickets for well over 30 years and have seen the Colts play in a lot of stadiums across the country. And it's something I've enjoyed doing. The Super Bowl season, the year we won the 2007 Super Bowl after the 2006 uh, season, uh, I went to every game home and away that year. I was uh, at at every game live, including uh, the playoff games, the uh, the wild card game, the divisional game, and and then the, uh, the conference championship back here against New England, and then the Super Bowl in Miami. <laughs> funny, funny story that I tell people and they don't believe me. I, I've, I've I've seen the Colts play in in January in Cleveland, in December and January in in Chicago. In January, December and January, both in Green Bay, some of the, the coldest places around. You know, the coldest I've ever been at a Colts game, ever. I mean, where I was shivering. Could not wait to get home and just take a hot shower and wrap up in a blanket. The coldest I've ever been at a Colts game was in the Super Bowl in Miami because, because it rained. There was a, 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 a firm, solid, cold, continuous rain for that entire game. And then the wind kicked up. And like an idiot, you know, hey, I'm from Indiana. I'm going to Miami. Uh, how am I going to dress? I was wearing, like, basketball shorts and a mesh jersey, a Dwight Freeney jersey. And uh, so I'm in a, a mesh jersey and shorts, and I got rained on. Then the wind kicked up. I got to tell you, it was great to see the Colts win. The halftime show of, of Prince playing Purple Rain in the rain is still, I will have you know, the greatest. I wasn't even a Prince fan when I went down to that. And I came out of there going, oh, my God, that was fantastic. And uh, I was kind of made fun of the little guy. And I, I, I came out of that stadium that day going, I, I'm now a Prince fan, apparently, because that was awesome. But I was freezing after that game. And I stuck around for the, the, the post-game ceremonies, and I saw Peyton get to lift the trophy, and that was all awesome. Uh, but I was freezing. At any rate, the uh, the game this weekend was fun. It, it was my third game I've been to uh, this year, and I'll have you know the Colts are 3-0. and and you're probably right now going, oh, this dude's lying because we haven't won three games at home. That's right. The third game we won because we beat Kansas City at home. I was at that game. We beat Jacksonville on Sunday. I was at that game. And we, we won in Denver on the Thursday night game uh, last week, week before last, I guess, technically. And I was there. I, I have a son that lives in Denver uh, with uh, his wife, uh, my daughter-in-law, and three of my grandkids, and my daughter who lives in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, and uh, my brother-in-law traveled. We all traveled to Denver, and we went to the game. So the Colts are three and zero in games I've been to. So this is a call out uh, to Jimmy Ursay and the Colts organization. You probably ought to send me season tickets again because you're guaranteed to go undefeated. Because when I'm there, y'all win. Just want to know. But uh, that's all a lead-in actually to other NFL news, which is Tom Brady. And I got to tell you, I've gone through a bit of a transition on Tom Brady uh, when he was with New England. Uh, even though, you know, he came out of the Big Ten, he's kind of a, a, a dude I, I always wanted to like, you know, played at Michigan, uh, ran a, a slower 40 time than I did <laughs> as, a, as a college senior, uh, and uh, then started winning Super Bowls. I, I so dislike Belichick at New England that I, I found myself lumping Brady in with Belichick and despising the Patriots in no small part because they kept kicking the Colts butt time after time. Although I still say the AFC championship game when we beat them, it came from an 18 point 
deficit to, to, to win that game uh, on a Marlon Jackson interception to, to end the last drive uh, by Tom Brady and, and the Pats. Uh, greatest game I've ever been to in terms of excitement and in terms of impact. I enjoyed that even more than the Super Bowl, probably because I wasn't freezing my butt off at the time. But um, but since Brady has, has left uh, the Patriots, I, I've, I've come to kind of grudgingly give him his due. And the fact that he won, what, a seventh Super Bowl with Tampa Bay, uh, his first season down there uh, before falling in the playoffs last year, ah, you got to give the guy some credit for all of that. I'm a big football fan, and I give him his due. However, Tom is now catching some well-deserved heat because here in the last 24 hours or so, he was doing an interview. Apparently, Tom has his own podcast, and he was interviewing NBA star Kevin Durant. And... Uh, Kevin's now with New Jersey. I think he asked for a trade, but I think he's still there. I think he's still with the Nets. And uh, but they're 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 having a, a discussion, and he's and 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 Brady's talking about how when he goes away for the football season, and this is consistent with apparently he's having some marital issues, none of which mean anything to me. I could care less about that gossipy kind of BS. But he's having a discussion about the pressure on your home life that being a football player can have, and he says, "I almost look." at a football season, like you're going away on deployment for the military. It's like, man, here I go again. So he made the analogy that it's like going away on deployment for the military. And oh my, as you might just predict, he's catching some heat. And there are, you know, gold star families, as we call them, who have lost uh, soldiers who have off, you know, put their life on the line uh, defending their country. Uh, defending their fellow soldiers, uh, given the ultimate sacrifice. And for a guy who, yes, hey, I'm a big football fan, and yeah, I know it's a violent game, and, 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 and people get hurt, and people can make, you know, can have life-changing inju- injuries when they go play football. But at the end of the day, it's something they're doing, they're making a heck of a lot of money at, and at the end of the day, it's a kid's game. And they get to make a heck of a lot of money and do that as a matter of choice. He could walk away any time and, 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 and still be a multi-multi-multi-millionaire because of his success, which I, I don't begrudge at all. But the fact that he's making an analogy to being deployed by the military, ah, sorry, Tom. I've come, I wouldn't call myself a fan. I've come to give you grudgingly the respect I think you deserve. But you stepped in it there, brother, and not, uh, not an analogy that ever should have been made. And I think uh, you may hear something from Tom, uh, or you may not. You know, he's a pretty confident dude. He may just double down. But in the meantime, I think that the criticism he's getting in that area are well-deserved. Tell you, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. This is Guy Relford in for Tony Katz on Tony Cast Today. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford in for Tony Katz. As I've mentioned, Tony is in New York with our program director, David Wood. Uh, WIBC is up for Large Market Station of the Year for a Marconi Award, sort of the radio version of the Emmy or the Oscar, the Tony. Uh, so that's uh, exciting. And Tony, uh, and he absolutely deserves this. In fact, I'm honored uh, to be uh, here in the chair doing his show today and filling in from time to time. Uh, Tony's actually nominated for Large Market Personality of the Year. Large market. So he's up against uh, some great competition, and I hope he brings that one home. I think he deserves it, and it'll be fun to celebrate with him uh, if he pulls that off. So good luck to Tony. 
But in the meantime, a criminal case in Florida caught my eye, as they tend to do in Florida. You know, uh, Hammer and Nigel, I think I still do their Florida Man segment, which tends to be hilarious. Uh, Dana Lash on, on national TV and radio, she has a Florida Man discussion as well. But uh, th- there typically tends to be some interesting cases coming out of Florida. And this one even had Sheriff Grady Judd from Polk County shaking his head. And if you know that name, uh, Hammer Nigel often play uh, audio clips from him. He's a he's a very outgoing uh, sheriff. Uh, he clearly has a lot of uh, pretty uh, conservative principles uh, and also is a firm believer in, in the law of self-defense and the ability to protect your home. And he's come out and said things like, you know what, uh, this is a, a solid Second Amendment state. Don't break into people's houses. You get shot. And, uh, and we fully support homeowners defending their property and their lives. I mean, he's come out and said some things that, that had the liberals' head spinning in terms of the right to use force and self-defense. But he was saying exactly the opposite about some knuckleheads uh, in, uh, in Florida here this past week. Gino Colonacosta, 73 years old, and his 15-year-old son. So, okay, Gino, Gino had, had a son there a little late in life, I guess. But... Uh, they are both now under arrest after a, a pretty egregious example of someone thinking they're operating in self-defense. And they were doing anything but. And again, I, I'm a firearms instructor. I teach the law of self-defense. I teach a class called Essentials of Indiana Gun Law, which talks about when you can and can't use deadly force. I talked about how you don't have the ability in Indiana to point a gun at someone merely to protect your property. You clearly do to protect your life and to protect yourself against what we call a forcible felony and to protect your home. That's different. When I'm talking about your property, I'm just talking about your stuff. But in this case, Gino and his 15 year old son are actually under arrest. And as much as I support the law of, of, of self-defense and the, and the justified and legal use of force in self-defense, especially when you talk about defending your home, this is a pretty outrageous example of that. And what happened is about 7 a.m., a neighbor of Gino's discovered that some medication had been delivered to the neighbor's house that was actually Gino's. So being a good Samaritan, being a good neighbor, the person went over and left the medicine on Gino's doorstep. And he actually hung it on his front door. But they have, like I have, a ring doorbell. And if you have a, a ring doorbell, and there are other brands that do the same thing, they tell you when someone's at your front door. They don't have to ring the doorbell. don't have to knock on the door. If they're just within the view of the camera, camera comes on, and you get an alert. I get an alert on my phone that says someone is at your front door. So at this point, not realizing it's merely a, a friendly neighbor who's dropping off his medication, Gino and his 15-year-old son grab their forty-five caliber handguns, and race to the door. They don't see the neighbor who's now walked off back toward his home, but they think they're being burglarized. So they run outside, they look up and down the street, and what they see about 100 yards away, this is 100 yards away, a woman is sitting in her car on her phone with the engine running. So this is someone minding their own business in their own car, a hundred yards from where all this occurred, and keep in mind, nothing happened except an alert that said someone is on your front porch or at your front door. 
They walk up. They start screaming at this woman with guns pointed, telling her to get out of the car. She panics, puts her car in reverse to back up, slams into a car behind her. They continue to yell at her, at which point they start shooting into the car. By the grace of God, she was not injured. She had a car seat in the car. One bullet lodged in the, in the, in the baby seat, the car seat for an infant that was in her car. They, of course, claim they were defending themselves against a burglar. Well, let's break that down a little bit. Do you have that right? First of all, if someone is breaking into your home while you're in your home, yes. Let's, let's apply Indiana law again. Indiana law says, I can use reasonable force, including deadly force, to prevent or terminate. The word prevent is in the statute. This is the Indiana self-defense statute says, I can use reasonable force, including deadly force, to prevent or terminate an unlawful entry into or attack upon my dwelling, my home. It goes on from there, but that's what's relevant to this discussion. So I can prevent or terminate an unlawful entry into my home. Okay, a neighbor hanging some of my medicine on my door as a friendly neighbor and a good Samaritan is not trying to get entrance, gain entrance into my home. So the prevent an unlawful entry doesn't apply. Secondly, if you're actually defending your home, why on God's earth would you race out of your home and race out of the, the most secure location you have, which is your home, where you have cover, in other words, where you can protect yourself, expose yourself, because you're going to go run down a suspect. Secondly, even if the person was trying to break into your home, once they stop trying to do so, can you simply run them down and shoot them? Again, this lady was completely innocent. She had no involvement in anything. She's just sitting in her car minding her own business. But let's say she was someone who was trying to break into Gino's house. Can I chase after them and gun them down? No, they're no longer trying to break into your home. You're no longer preventing someone breaking into your house. You know what you're doing now? It's payback. Payback, while it makes a great movie, you know, Jodie Foster running the bad guys down, that feels good. Payback, revenge, makes for a great story in Hollywood. A great Mel Gibson movie called Payback. Fabulous movie. Makes for a great movie. It's not legal. If you're into revenge, if you're into payback, you're not preventing anything. You're not preventing an attack on you. You're not preventing an unlawful entry into your house. You're not preventing anything. Which means you're no longer using force justifiably and legally. Again, I'm applying some Indiana law here, even though this happened in Florida, but I'm absolutely sure the law of Florida is something similar. So the fact that they're now engaged in payback and got the wrong person makes these people complete knuckleheads and, yes, in fact, criminals. They're, they've been charged, I'm sure. And even Grady Judd, who, again, has come out very publicly and said Floridians have a right to defend their homes. Bad guys breaking into homes in Florida better beware. He's come out. He's he's completely upset some people, making him sound as 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 he's been reported by the media down there as as even bloodthirsty, quote unquote, in terms of allowing people to defend themselves. Even he came out and said this is the craziest thing he's seen in law enforcement in a long damn time. And I bring it up here because again, one of the reasons I teach a class that talks about exactly these things so people know exactly when you can and can't use force and self-defense. You get a notice that somebody's at your door, 
awesome. Be ready. Be aware. Take a look. See who it is. See what they're doing. But when you take it beyond that, as these knuckleheads in Florida did, all you're asking for is your own prosecution for a very serious crime. In the meantime, I'm Guy Relford, in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz Today.